Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, I guess it is. I don't know what day it is. Yes, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football. The season 2018 is over. Don't make any bowl plans because USC isn't going anywhere. Five and seven, if you can believe that. Pretty crazy. But yes, USC season is over. Lost to Notre Dame 24-17. We're going to talk about that with Coach Harvey Hyde and Keely Yor. Keely's in studio. Coach is on the line. We also got to talk about some huge breaking news that Lynn Swan announced this morning, Sunday morning, that Clay Hilton would be returning to coach the USC Trojans in 2019. So we're going to get to all of that on the show. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or if you'd like to call us or text us, you can do that at 424 424- 254-9141. We got a lot of calls. We got a lot of texts. We got a lot of emails. We're going to try to get to all of them. We do appreciate the feedback. If you're going to look us up on iTunes, try to leave us some positive feedback. A five-star review is awesome. We love all that kind of stuff. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, uh, Audio Boom. We're all over the place. So wherever you can consume your podcast, if you can leave us a, a nice little note, that would be very much appreciated. Well, wanted to welcome Keely, who's in studio. What's up, Keely? How are you? Hello. Doing well. And we got Coach Harvey Hyde on the line via Skype. What's up, Coach? How are you? I am fine. And Keely, it's great having you with us. Uh, finally, we have someone with us that knows what's going on. And uh, I certainly uh, welcome her to our podcast, as well as all of our uh, listeners out there. And as we always say, thank you very much for making this show possible. And Ryan, I'm looking forward to answering a lot of questions and uh, just talking a little bit about what I think. But before we do that, we have a sponsor to thank. Yeah, Southern California Tickets. So you can go to their website, SoCalTix.com, or just give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. No more USC football games to go to, but there's a lot of other cool stuff here in Southern California. You want to go see LeBron James play or wherever you are across the country, you need tickets for the NBA, you want to see some NHL, you want to go to a play, a nice musical or something, go check it out. Go to Southern California Tickets, 1-800-888-7287, and they will help you out. Call them, tell Curtis, say, hey, Curtis, Coach Hyde sent me. I need some tickets for something. He'll let you know what's up, and uh, he will help you out. Um, well, Coach, okay, so there's a lot to unpack. Just so people know, we did, Keely and I came in early. I shot a video, like, for CBS Sports, Keely and I did an hour tunnel vision show like right before this uh, yep. emergency tunnel vision. So that was on Facebook Live. So we'll put that up. We'll actually put that up in podcast form too, so you can listen to it that way. Uh, we're going to do a tunnel vision tonight at 7 p.m. So we're going to be talked out of all this. So we're going to rely on you, Coach. Um, there's a lot of news. First, we want to talk about the game. Give us your thoughts on the game, and then we'll kind of get into some of the stuff with the uh, coaching situation. Well, you know, I want to talk about the game and the coaching situation and all of the above. But before we get into that, I want to talk about something that I think is real important. Oh, okay. And what that is, is the fan support for USC Trojan football. There's a way of supporting the team and there's a way of not supporting the team. And and uh, I, as a former coach, uh, have a family and there's players that have families and there's coaches that have families and children who go to the football games. And I don't think that the fans, and it's not all the fans, it's just a few, but the ones that think it's really cute on buying an airplane ad and having it fly around fire, fire coach Clay Helton and this and that, that's not going to influence Lynn Swan, okay? All that does is make you look like a fool. And when the fans boo a team, when they're going off the field, hey, teams are doing their best. The players are doing their best. The coaches are doing their best. Maybe it's not good enough, but you don't show your 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 frustration that way and because they're trying to do their best. 
And I just don't appreciate it because I've been on the end of that happening. I know how it is to, uh, when you have my wife and my kids set in the stands and they couldn't believe some of the things that were going on in the stands or things that were being said. And that's part of the job, don't get me wrong, as being a head football coach. That's part of the job. But booing the kids or flying an airplane around with those type of, of uh, slogans or sayings, that's not going to change anybody's mind on, and actually it didn't, on who the head football coach is going to be at USC. And I think it's classless. I think it makes the university look bad, and I think it even makes you look worse because we are and you are always complaining when a player has an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and you're doing nothing but the same thing. So I wanted to say that. So maybe in the future you'll think about it. And, of course, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's just my opinion. But be courteous as far as the people out there who do care about the players and do care about the football program. Because when you do those type of things, I don't know how you got in USC. Okay? So let's move on. So you're not a big fan of that. So now there are fans that are outraged, and they feel like they don't have a voice with Lin Swan, the athletic department, what would your what would your recommendation be to them? Because this was like a grassroots sort of thing, and I get it. They were mad. I'm not going to say it's like right or wrong to fly a banner or whatever, but they wanted to get some. They wanted their voice to be heard, and this they they pulled their money together and did something, and they they actually got you know got people's attention a little bit. Oh, they did. They did. I think they wasted their money. Okay, because a lot of people. I mean, people who have been a coach or people that care. We know that doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference, and you wasted your money. You should have given it to a charity or something or given it to the university where you could have got a write-off or donation. But uh, to do those type of things I don't think is, is right, uh, and uh, I don't think it makes a difference. And I understand how people think there should be a change made if they, they do think that way, and I won't tell you how I think, but I'm going to support now whatever – happening, I'm going to support Clay Hilton and hope that, and if you want to talk about my thoughts of what I think should happen now since they've made that determination, I'd be happy to do that. But I'm not going to, and I'm not always so positive on our podcast or all my shows do in exactly some of the decisions that are made during the game or game planning or adjustments that are made. But those are just my comments. But to do those type of other things uh, isn't part of the game or isn't part of making adjustments or isn't going to make any difference. The comments we make as far as adjustments in the game plan, adjustments in passing routes, adjustments in formations, tendencies, tackling, not open field tackling, and those things are part of the game. But as far as those other things, I don't really believe in. And, of course, if people want to continue that, they can. They buy a ticket, Okay. And if they want to show the best way to show they don't like what's going on is don't go to the game. And obviously, that showed up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, at the Rose Bowl, UCLA only had 39,000 after they beat USC. So now that they're not real happy there because they're not winning a lot of games. And that's announced 39,000, announced 57,000. I don't know how many were really there. But that's the way you show your frustration. And that's the way people understand you're not happy is when you don't send in your contributions and when you don't attend the game. Now, that's the best way to show it. Gotcha. All right, Coach. Uh, well, I, we have some questions on the game first, and then we'll talk about the coaching situation second, if that works for you. I have a voicemail here. Uh, we'll start it off with this, Coach. Here you go. Hi, uh, this message is for Coach Harvey High. This is Don from New York. You guys do a great job. Hey, Coach, just a question. As far as what you've seen do you feel like in a lot of ways that this started from the beginning, that this is just bad preparation from the beginning, just bad habits? Uh, coach, what would you – I'm sorry, Coach. I'm just stuttering. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just so frustrated. Just the fact that these guys are getting injured the way they're getting injured, I mean, it shows that they're not preparing well for football. Um, the fact that guys are getting kicked off the team the way that it's happening, it just seems that there's just the, 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 the lack of preparation, the lack of discipline in all aspects, on the field, off the field. Um, so, Coach, I just wanted to hear your perspective on that and you being a head coach. 
All right. This is uh, Don from New York. You guys do a great job. Sorry the season had to come to this, but, you know, let's get them next year. I know. Well, thank you very much. And, and uh, let me, you know, we discussed this before, but not completely. And, and I, I'm going to say this. It's not easy to get tough. You always got to be tough, okay, in discipline and rules and regulations. So as I've always said, don't put in too many rules that you're not going to back up. So the rules that you put in on any type of program, even at home, uh, you got to follow through on and enforce them. And there's a few that make a lot of difference in a football program or any family or any business. So the ones you do, you got to enforce. And you can't all of a sudden be soft and then get hard. And I've said all along, I thought the football program has been soft in the discipline area. It just have they haven't been that disciplined in the way they dress, the way they travel, the way they look the way they dance, the way they do everything, okay? On the sideline, the, the cape, taking pictures on the sideline during the game, uh, all the different things. You've heard me be very critical on this. Uh, yeah, you. those things can't go on. Sideline discipline has got to be there all the time. Quarterbacks uh, next to Coach Helton are wearing headsets. they they got to go on all the time. That's part of putting a football program together from – Wearing a, a, a coat and tie, getting off a plane, looking like a football player, a football player at a football team, represents the university, and I really feel it makes a difference on how you play. Not coming in in 15 different outfits. I think you represent something, and you should have the discipline of being a part of that university and feeling a part of that university everywhere you go. Because where you go, you may not know those people, but those people know you and who you are. And I think you make you have that type of discussion with your team when they come to the campus, when they're part of the team. You can't do it afterwards. You got to do it at the beginning. And I think right now starting that's got to be fresh coming in starting Monday or whenever they put their new staff together with team meetings or whatever they got to say, "Okay, guys, if you're happy with 5 and 7 and the way we've done it in the past, it's time for you to move. You can transfer, you can go anywhere." But the guys who want to stay here and be in the foxhole with us and do it a different way, we welcome you. And these are some of the things we're going to encourage and we're going to do, and we're going to hold you to it. Now, as far as some of the players that got in trouble that left the team, they were great players. I'm telling you, Levi Jones is a great player. Bobby Bowden's a great player. People are going to take these players, okay? And it's very disappointing to lose five-star players like that because when you lose them, the high school coaches from those schools, and they're very good schools, Bishop Gorman and the T Texas school, they all of a sudden lose confidence in you as a football program, and they say, I'm not sure if I want to send another player there. They allowed this kid to get in trouble. He did dumb things, and I know what they did, and I'm not going to say what they did, but there are things that can be taken care of those problems a different way, okay? Not throwing them out of school. But giving a guy, I had many second chances or third chances. There's ways of taking care of those things without putting a guy on the street when a guy really can possibly be loved a little bit and given another opportunity. So, no, you can't all of a sudden go along and then get tough. You've got to be tough, just like you've got to learn to hit at the beginning of the time. You've got to be physical, and then you can go back and loosen up and be a little bit softer. But you've got to be tough from the beginning. So, Coach, I talked to Cam Smith after the game uh, last night, and he raised some questions about the commitment level from USC's players and whether or not the players buy into the program. He said it's easy for, for guys in L.A. to get distracted. With that issue, do you see that as more of a player problem, a coach problem, or a mix of both? Well, I don't think it should be a problem. I think it should be a part of understanding that you're here for a reason. Because it's Los Angeles, there's a lot of people that live in Los Angeles and Hollywood and so on, and you have a lot more choices and things to do. And you can get lost uh, and maybe do things that uh, you can't do in smaller communities because people know who you are, but you got to know the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be intelligent. you got to know when it's time to leave a party. you got to know when you're at a party or somewhere that things are going on that shouldn't be going on. You just simply disappear. You know, it's time to go. And players have got to be committed to uh, who their teammates are 
and you never want to embarrass your football program, your university, or your family. And that used to be the way I came up as far as a family. My dad used to tell me, hey, whatever you do, don't ever embarrass our family. That was part of it. And that's part of a football family, which any university has, like the USC football program. You've got to be dedicated and not embarrass our family. And guys don't have to be have a 4-0 grade point to understand what common sense is. I think common sense is the highest uh, level of intelligence that there is. So uh, I think that that's part of preaching it, making sure people understand it. And if players don't buy into why they're there and why we're giving them a 70000 or $65,000 scholarship, time to go somewhere else. And you can't be afraid to let players understand that they're there for their academic work, for their athletic ability and skills. That's why they're on scholarship and also the common sense of never embarrassing your family. We have an email from Steve in San Diego who said, the more disciplined and better coach team won this evening, but not the more talented team. Would you agree, coach? Well, it's hard to, to say that, uh, because, uh, I think what Notre Dame does is they structure their program and they structure their players into a, a, uh, a, a an offense and a defense that's very structured that fits their personnel. As far as their big offensive linemen, their, their schemes, uh, uh, they don't run a lot of plays, but the plays they run, they really want to run well. Uh, they're very disciplined on penalties. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they They are more uh air free they don't they don't beat themselves okay you don't find a Notre Dame team uh, beating themselves uh, USC finds ways to beat themselves they have talented players but they find ways of not making the adjustments finds ways of fumbling finds way of uh causing uh, penalties that they shouldn't have uh, find ways of really making it tough for them to beat a good team because uh, they self-destruct at times. But I think that they have the talent at USC. I don't think that they necessarily have the best talent on the field all the time. I can't understand that. I'm not saying they're playing favorites. But sometimes I wonder how some of these players aren't playing that are great players. Uh, teams, uh, last night the defense had about six or seven true freshmen play. And they played as good as a defensive game that they had played the entire year. So that, that they have the talent. You've got to get the talent on the play on the field where they can perform, like this Chase Williams kid and the, the number one, the linebacker for Bishop Gorman and, and all of these players that have that have where have they been? They're great players. You've got to be able to discover who are the players that fit what you do. And I think this is what you have to do, and you've always heard me say this. So I'm not saying they had better players. I think they had players that were put into a scheme and a style of what they executed. They probably had best their best pass blocking they've had the entire year, except Notre Dame really didn't blitz a lot or, or do the different things that the other teams had done. But they can do the things uh, that you, your players' personalities are. And they threw the ball a lot last night. They didn't try to run at Notre Dame because they obviously felt they couldn't run the football. And they they came up with a way of trying to beat Notre Dame a different way, which worked early in the game by throwing the ball to the middle of the field, something we've been talking about the last three years, throw the ball to the middle of the field with slants and short posts and so on. But where the adjustments didn't come is when they came up and played them tighter to take those plays away that they didn't run the deep post or the deep post corner where you start to come to the post and then you break it to the corner and the safety would have broken both his kneecaps trying to turn around and, and go a different way and set up certain routes and so on and not splitting so far to the sideline when you run your fades where you have more room to, to work. The sideline is like a line of defensive players where you don't have to just tippy-toe to make your catch, them to be able to, to you know, uh, make a first down or make a, uh, an out route or a, what's wrong with a hitch and go 
or a stop and go. You ran the stop so many different times. Now let's set them up with the stop, a pump, and send the receiver by. And these little type of things are the things that make a difference as far as what you're doing offensively and defensively as far as being a great football team, and that's getting your players on the field. And USC's not lacking players. It's just putting them in a position where they can win. We got another voicemail question about some second-half adjustments, Coach. Let me play it for you. Okay. Hello, Ryan, Coach. I'm Don Archer here. Well, USC is playing true to form. The offense fails to score points in the second half. They do not have a play caller who can make adjustments to what the opposing defense is doing. That has been their problem all season long. This problem really puts pressure on the defense. USC will have more of the same problem next year if they don't make some major coaching changes. If they're going to run the same offense next year, the quarterback has to have the ability to run and be a playmaker with his legs as well as his arm. Coach Hyde, I think you would agree. JT Daniels lacks that ability. They would be better off running a two-back offense set. Well, Don, uh, uh, we've been talking about that, and I agree with you 100%. With the offense they're running, you have to have an athletic quarterback. You see it every Saturday. Everywhere you see this type of offense, you see uh, a quarterback can run. The book even last night, uh, very similar type of offense. He had the ability to run the football, and he's not afraid to run the football. And it seems as though they just tell, it. They just tell JT, don't run the football, throw the ball away or throw it up in the air or do something, but don't run the football. But you got to move a guy around, and you got to be able to run a keep occasionally or run a bootleg occasionally. They ran two bootleg screens or three last night that really did hurt uh, USC's defense. Uh, they they uh, they flushed him out, and one time he ran uh, for a first down, third and 12, and he ran for a first down right up the middle when the, the pass rushers got out of their lanes. Uh, yeah, you've got to have an athletic quarterback or you've got to get in more of a power type of offense with an athlete such as JT Daniels and you you run more of an eye type of offense and play action pass and a two-back set where if you notice a lot of teams now are using their two-back sets when they throw the football because they both block the end man in the line of scrimmage and the offensive line closes down, especially when you're having a lot of aggressive defensive gap defensive and blitzes and and it, it works. It, you've got you've got the, the the thing blocked and solved. Uh, but when you're playing with one less guy and they overload you and they bring uh, eight guys or nine guys and you only got seven guys to block them, well, obviously, how are you going to block them? It isn't going to happen. So you got to have different type of schemes to be able to block those different type of fronts you're going to see. And it's a lot easier with a two back offense, especially with it a quarterback that uh, you you want to keep in the pocket. So uh, you've got to develop things that fit your quarterback, and we'll see what happens uh, with their new uh, offense, if they're going to run a new offense. I don't know really what they're going to do yet uh, with the staff or with their philosophy, but they've got to make some changes in it, obviously. We have a email submission from Sergeant Ro- Rodney Strong, who says, what does it say about head coach when he runs an offense that cannot score points to win football games? When will this dumpster fire of Clay Helton and his era be over and USC can move on? I like Clay Helton and respect him as a man, but he is not knowledgeable and experienced enough to lead a powerhouse program like USC. It's going to be a long offseason, I guess. Well, I don't know if that's true. Uh, What I mean by that, I think what happened here with Coach Helton, he got put in a situation it's not all his fault. I mean, uh, is he going to say, no, I don't want the head coaching position at USC? He isn't going to say that. And He's made uh, a lot of inroads. He's made a lot of money, and he's uh, had two very successful seasons at USC. Uh, of course, he had a tremendous quarterback, a first-round pick, and Sam Darnold, who bailed everybody out, not just Clay, uh, just not Clay Helton. He bailed everybody out with his great plays the offense, the defense, and everybody. And what really made the defense look a little bit better the other night is the time of possession of the offense, not the defense playing much better. Uh, I can go over that, too, if you want to talk about that. Someone else asks that question. But uh, 
What was the damn question, Keely? <laughs> uh, well, he, he ranted a little bit, but he wants to know what does it say about Clay Helton when he, he's the offensive play caller. He runs an offense that cannot score enough points to win football games. All right. And I think that really he got in a position where he can't do it all. And uh, calling the offensive game, now some people do it. Chip Kelly does it. Others do it. But I think as being a head football coach at USC, you've got to have coordinators like Brian Kelly has made up his mind that he's not calling plays any longer. And he's made a couple of changes where he gets coordinators. He pays them a million a year or more. And he says, hey, it's your offense. I'll manage the game. I'll approve it, of course. Fit our personnel and win football games. And if you can't get it done, I'll get a new one. And this is the way... This is the way I think Clay Helton's got to run the USC Trojan football program. I think he's got to have uh, coaches that make up with the staff, know what the philosophy of the offense is going to be, agree with the philosophy of the offense, and get away from it. And let these guys run it, coach it, you management, you manage it, you manage practice, you make the decisions on uh, the things that are important, but you let these guys work it a year round. It's impossible for a hit football coach like Clay Helton to do all the things he does, speak everywhere, do you know how many media post games things today he has to do and all these different things. Oh, he's not doing and one then, today. Huh? He's not talking today. Oh, well, you gave him a day off. But but basically, there's a lot of things a hit football coach has to do that takes time away from prepar- preparing for a game and being able to know every single thing that a team you're playing does and what you're going to do to it. And every minute you're wasting on some other issue with a meeting with somebody or or doing something or signing or picture-taking is taking time away from your preparation of getting ready for your opponent. So I think that uh, what he needs to do within the staff now, and, and I'm not telling him what to do, but I'm saying if I was him, I'd get me the best offensive and defensive coordinators in the country I'd ask to be able to have a million five to pay them. I'd ask for a three-year contract for each one of them so they know that when they come, they're not going to be fired the next year if things don't work right. That would help me with my recruiting as far as with the recruits out there, that they know what their identity of their offense and their defense is and who these guys are. And then I'd work with them in putting a staff together, complete staff, that would co- that knows how to coach that offense and knows how to coach that defense, not teach these coaches. These coaches already know what this offense is, and they've got to be great recruiters. The defensive coordinator's got to be a great recruiter. The offensive coordinator's got to be a great recruiter. And what you do is you fly me in just to make sure that I dot the I and we get those players. This is what you need to surround Clay Helton with. All right. Uh, We had a question. This is from a former referee coach. Get your thoughts on this. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this is Ray C. from Riverside. I was at the game tonight, the uh, Notre Dame game. Um, very frustrating year for us. Um, it's you know, with all this talent that we have, it's just it's so sad that we're we're not going to be going bowling this year. And um, gosh darn it, I, I I had such high hopes for us this year. But anyway. Um, it was a couple of, I thought a couple of bad calls. I'm an ex-referee, you know, like I, like I told you. And I, I, when I looked at the, uh, like for instance, uh, Amon Ra, he fumbled the ball, but he had control of it. He was, he had his back on the ground, had control of the ball. It was between his legs and he had his hand on the ball. That constitutes possession. So he, they should have given him the ball. Anyway, um, Run this over with uh, uh, Dan and uh, Coach. So uh, there was another call. I I can't remember. I think it was a uh, interception or something like that. But um, anyway, uh, hopefully uh, next year we'll do better. Anyway, talk to you later. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Well, thank you very much. That was an ACC crew last night. And, you know, when you have an ACC crew, they're not always the same as what the pac 12 crew is or whatever. So there's always little niches here or there that are different. Uh, in the booth, that was, of course, a Pac-12 review uh, crew. Uh, I don't know about the possession as far as I, I saw that play or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was called. We can't change it, and that's the way it goes. It wasn't overruled. 
so I don't really know what you know who's right or wrong on that call. I assume as an official, you probably know uh, your opinion, and I respect that opinion. I, I think USC would have respected that opinion too last night. But uh, yeah, uh, and I think that most of the calls that people uh, second guess on are the pass interference penalties. Why? Because first of all, I want you to know every play there's holding, okay? Every play there's holding in, in the offensive line and defensive lines. Every play, the umpire or the referee, they call a penalty every single play. Okay, I spot it, you spot it, I know it. You just sort of you tell the officials before the game what number holds all the time and you hope he watches them. But on pass interference, everybody sees that play. It's out there where you're all by yourself. And it's inter- it's an interpretation of what that official feels is pass interference. So everybody has their opinion. That was pass interference. Oh, he shoved off of him. He was holding him. So everybody has their opinion. So that is the biggest difference as far as different crews on what they allow receivers or defensive backs to get away with. So, you know, there's always a difference there. And, and sometimes there are calls, and I saw some calls last night, that shouldn't have been called both ways. Let them play the game of football. Otherwise, you're going to have to make every time that call because it's happening all the time. So you're going to have to flag on every deep pattern or any type of pass. So you got to have a philosophy exactly how that's going to happen. If you noticed last night, they didn't have one targeting call. Kids are learning what you want now. They understand what targeting is. They come close, but it's not intentional. The same type of philosophy has got to be told to kids as far as the defensive backs and the receivers on what they can get away with and what they can't. And then maybe we'll be able to have a better officiated game in that area. So transitioning to the bigger news that came out of today and Clay Helton returning for the 2019 season, we have an email from Tom in the South Bay. He's kind of upset, so let's bear with him. He says, Tom gets upset. Yeah. He (laughs) says, I just read the uh, Swan statement on Clay coming back. I'm upset and can't believe it after we went through a horrible season. Swan is saying that Clay is a good coach and he's hired outstanding assistants. Where are they? I don't see them. They're all young and inexperienced. This coach will not get us anywhere and will ne- and we will never win a big game. Him and Swan should go together because both believe this program is in good shape and it is not sorry, Tom, maybe some proofreading. It is not where we have wait, hold on. It is not fair that we have to put up with this terrible coach for another year after what we went through this season. I feel sorry for the players who came to USC expecting to improve. They will never progress under this coach and his staff. It is a sad day for the Trojan family. Well, um, first of all, Lynn's decision wasn't his decision completely, okay? So when everybody's throwing rocks at Lynn, at Lynn uh he doesn't make a decision unless people above him all agree and, and allow him to make that decision, okay? Because they know the pressures that are coming in at the trustee level. And there's currently not a president uh, at USC. There's an interim there, so she's not going to get involved in it. So I'm sure that Lynn had many meetings, too, with the trustees, and the trustees agreed with that. Otherwise, they'd have, tell, they'd have told Lynn, we don't agree with that. Lynn, you can, you can leave, too. I'm just telling you the way that works. He has to get permission and discuss those things with them at the same time. He doesn't make that decision completely 100% on his own. I don't believe that. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I don't know, and maybe I do know. I don't know. I'm just saying from past experience. Now, as far as Clay Helton is concerned, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's a great person. As far as representing the university as an individual, I don't think you could have a better person. I I made the statement many times that if I had a son, I'd love him to love for him to play for him because of what he brings, his kindness, the players love him, and everything else. I just felt he made a lot of wrong decisions in the hiring of his staff. I didn't think he brought the quality of staff to surround him at USC, understanding the type of football program and what's expected at USC as far as the level of competition and the level of of, of winning and the importance of winning, and you don't out-coach people. You've got to have great players, and you've got to put those players in a position 
that they're utilized at the best of their ability. And these people that coach these people have been around for a long time. They've flown Air Force One. Uh, uh, they've been in a foxhole before. They have. They're not younger coaches. They're coaches who have had experience with great coaches, not just the same group of coaches and coaches that don't tell you what they're going to do. Uh, this is Clay Helton's offense and defense that he's responsible for. And he's got to have a say in all parts of it. And if he's not going to coach those areas, he's going to know exactly what those coaches do. And when those coaches tell him, you're going to go recruiting or you're going to do this or you're going to do that, they respond to it, okay, because he's a nice person. And they've got to respect him enough to understand that. And I think sometimes you lose that, too, because you're such a nice person that your coaches sometimes take advantage of you. But that's not their fault, either, because they're in a position where they're coaching at USC. So whoever, whoever put them in that position of coaching at USC, then you got to look at him and say, hey, we don't have the quality of person. And you've heard me use this term over and over and over. You don't have somebody at USC that's doing his first heart transplant or flying Air Force One when he's never flown Air Force One, or doing this, you have people who have done it before so that you know what to expect that you're going to survive and have those type of people and coaches around you. And then the youth you have around you have got to be the type that potentially are going to be coordinators someday, or your coordinators are going to be head coaches someday, and you have trouble keeping them. That's why you sign them up to a three-year contract to start with so they have the security of knowing they will have this type of opportunity to become a head football coach. And then it all starts with your recruiting coordinator on who that is. Is it somebody that can forecast players, can, can bring me the players, that has the contact with the individuals out there throughout the country that when he walks in or when he calls them, they take his call. And when he walks in, he doesn't stand in line. They say, how you doing, Tom? Come over here. Here, here's my... He's not in line of 15 other coaches that are there at the same time for the same player. And these people know that he has taken care of their players before. And they believe in him that if he says, we'll take care of him, graduate him, and he'll be a great player, they have confidence in this recruiting coordinator and this coaching staff that that'll happen. But these high school coaches aren't going to send their players to a place where they're going to get thrown off the team or they're not going to graduate or they're not going to get better. So you better have everybody, including the strength and conditioning coach, the academic advisor, which USC has just lost, lost I thought, the best academic advisor in the country, and Maggie Elstrawai to the University of Georgia. And they've lost no, never mind. Other people like that, that people come after your best people. So if people aren't coming after your best people, then maybe I don't have the best people. So you've got to get people that on your staff that other people want and want to do things the way you're doing it, but you're doing it right. Uh, we got a voicemail here. This might have been before the uh, announcement this morning. We'll see, but it's, it's about the coaching aspect. So I wanted to play it for you, Coach. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is Dan from West Covina giving you another call. So watching Helton again, I just can't help but think of a reverse Pete Carroll. We, instead of making adjustments in the second half, the other guys do it, and it always works like charm. I've seen this time and time and time and time and time again. I feel like we're kind of in that movie uh, Groundhog Day where it keeps repeating. This is going to be a tough one, and I have a feeling I'm going to have the same voicemail next year. So that being said, Coach, when do you pull the trigger uh, as an athletic director? What signs do you look for um, when enough is enough? How many years does a coach get? Does he get one, two? What do you think, Coach? How, how should Lynn Swan should have handled this? Because it looks like he's going to keep the guy for reasons I can't explain. Anyways, have a great night. Bye-bye. Well, you know, uh, I think uh... – we sort of spoke on this when we were speaking about staffs, and I have nothing against any of the coaches that coach at USC. In fact, I don't even know them, okay? I've never spoken to them, and Ryan, you know 
that I don't want to be personal with anybody because I like to give my opinion and they probably all hate me and everything else for my words and what I say, but uh, this is the way it goes. This is why I'm here and doing this show as far as my responsibility to you people out there that ask these questions. The reason why Pete Carroll's teams were making adjustments is they were more prepared. They had coaches who could make the adjustments. Uh, Griffith, uh, Lane Kiffin's dad. I mean, you don't think that guy knew the defense they were running? You don't think he knew the adjustments to make? How about Norm Chow? You don't think Norm Chow didn't know the adjustments to make as far as the type of adjustments to the offense they were running? How about Ed Orgeron playing the defensive line? You don't think that if his guys went to the wrong way or went up the same gap or weren't containing that he didn't know what was wrong with the defense? Or the same thing with uh, the offensive side of the football. They had coaches. As a head football coach, you can't go in and make all these adjustments. Hell, half the time you're talking to media. When you go off the field, somebody's grabbing you to, hey, coach, uh, how come you're down by 20 points? Or asking him some question where he's distracted and he's trying to get in the locker room. You have 20 minutes. 20 minutes, five minutes on and three minutes back on the field. The kids have got to do whatever they have to do and get a little nutrition and so on. You go in and you have to tell them what's going on. And the head coach is the one that says, how are we going to adjust to this? We've got to have more deep passing game. How are we going to run the football more? What are you going to do with this different defense we didn't prepare for? And these guys know what it's doing because they've met as a staff, an offensive staff and a defensive staff, as I've been on interviewing on television and radio. Then when I go in, they're telling me what they're going to do, and they do it. So look at the at Tom Davis, the off, Tim Davis, uh, the offensive line coach that USC used to have. Hey, man, these guys have been there before. These guys, uh, they know the adjustments they have to make. So that's why the adjustments have, were made with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was managing the football program, handling recruiting, kissing babies, saying hi to everybody. Uh, this is what why Pete Carroll was so good. He had Kirby Wilson uh, coaching with him, uh, an outstanding young and Dwayne Walker, his uh, secondary coach, who became the defensive coordinator at UCLA and beat USC when they were undefeated 13-9 in the Rose Bowl game. This is the type of staff that he had, and these guys are all in the NFL now. Young coaches, great backgrounds, great minds out of John Muir High School, out of Dorsey High School, knew the city, knew the CIF, knew how to recruit local people. I mean, this is why he had a great staff. And these guys make all those corrections and adjustments. So this is why it's so important on the staff he puts together that he has those type of capable people who can do this for him. And uh and this is the answer, and I'm being completely honest with everyone out there. And if you've been a coach out there and you're listening, or if you've been a head coach out there on any level, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Let's move on. So we have an email from Harry, and it's a pretty long one. He lists um, things that he thinks USC should change. Do you want to hear them all at once, or do you want to go one by one, coach, and, and talk about each subject? Uh, well, if you want to do them all, we'll have better go one and by one because I'll forget the first one when you finish it. <laughs> okay. So he says, now that Clay Helton is staying as coach, it's time to look forward to what uh, changes should be made to the staff. I'm interested in what you think of the following in order of priority. So first off, the offense, he says, with a pocket passer and all these wide receiver athletes, hire a new air raid style offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury is available as of today and would be a great fit w fit with his youth and in energy, and he could kill it with our players. We won't even need to pay him as much with his bio at Texas Tech. JT will shine in that offense, and the running backs will as well. We need to make a break with the old-timers from USC who think that we should just run the ball. They can retain T. Martin as wide receivers coach and recruiting coordinator. Um, so that's the first one. Well, um, you know, he has an, he's, you know, he's got a great offense in mind. There's no question about that, like Lincoln Riley, uh, who came out of there. and uh, You know, they, 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 he's the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, but you got to have a, you know, got to have a purpose of, of what Clay Helton's philosophy is. First of all, how how do you win the Pac-12? How do you beat your best non-league opponent? I used to always recruit and say, okay, who's the toughest team do we play on our schedule? How do we beat them? Well, we got to beat them in recruiting first of all. 
Then we got to beat them in knowledge and adjustments and, and, and what offense or defense must be run to, first of all, move the football against their defenses and also stop their offenses. And then you put that together and you decide by putting your staff together and deciding exactly what your philosophy is going to do to make you a successful coach in the conference you play in and the best non-conference teams you play. And that's that's the way you put that together, and you, and you live by it. You, you gotta, you just don't uh, put an offense on the field that you don't have the players to play it. And yes, they do have a lot of great receivers at USC, and they also have some pretty good running backs at USC. I think where they really need to bulk up in their in their areas of excellence is to become more physical and get more offensive linemen and defensive linemen that dominate like Leonard Williams and 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 players like that that uh, have uh, most recently played at USC. I think that's what you need to do on the offensive side of the ball too. Not that these kids aren't trying, but these kids need to be coached up a little bit more and these kids got to understand that I don't think anybody would go to the same gap in a defense or go the wrong way in a defense or not get lined up properly on purpose. Would you? I wouldn't, and so I have to look at saying, why is that happening? And uh, that's that's my comment on number one there. Yeah. Okay, number two, he says, strength and conditioning need a big upgrade, but not sure who. Well, you know, you have to evaluate, and you heard me say that earlier about the entire staff, and you have to evaluate areas that, that are good and areas that aren't good, and if you got to, if you if you're if you're physical enough, or are you what are you doing in the in the weight room? What are you doing with each individual athlete? Are you working on power? Are you working on conditioning? Are you working on a combination of both uh, quickness? What are you doing? Uh, I I know that they they are astute uh, strength coaches, but I when I when I hired my strength coach, I went to the best strength coach school in the country. And that was Boyd Epley. He had the first major in strength and conditioning in the country at Nebraska. And I went to him and I said, if you remember the great lines that Nebraska had with Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne, I went to him and I say, I don't know what you're doing in the weight room, but I want your top student, top assistant, and I want to hire him as my head guy. Because they had massive offensive lines they were powerful they owned the line of scrimmage they and all of the above so that's one thing you look at you look around the country and you say who is physical and why and what are they doing that we aren't doing and sometimes you can't ask your guy to do that sometimes and i'm not saying this guy isn't doing what you asked him to do but i'm saying you go to a program and you say hey they're doing what we need to do so rather than teach your guy how to do that, you hire one from them. Or you hire the whole staff if you can. That's what you have to do. So I don't know if they're doing what Clay Helton wanted them to do in the strength and conditioning area, but to me the offensive linemen aren't more physical. They're, they're not as strong or bulky or they don't have the guns, if you know what guns are, that other universities have. And the same thing on the defensive side of the football. You need to be quick, but you need to be strong, too. And you need to have guys that can get off the edge on the defense and get in people's faces immediately. And there's different ways of teaching this and uh, and making them more athletic at the same time. Well, speaking of the O-line, we have number three. He says the offensive line improved when Tim Drevno took over, but we may need a new offensive line coach to better match the air raid style offense that this uh, that Harry wants. Well, you know, it's hard for me to evaluate uh, the offensive line. Uh, first of all, I'd never had a chance to stand near them in practice to watch what they were doing or the coaching techniques or even asking them what they're doing. But, uh, you know, the physical part I think you need to get into, and I don't know if that's the offensive line coach who should be coaching there. But I know one damn thing, I'd get me the best offensive line coach in the country because that's where your battles are won and lost. I'm going to tell you that right now. And who would want to coach at USC? Most of these guys love USC. They've always wanted uh, to coach it at USC. Even pro players want to coach at USC. But if you bring a pro player in, they better know how to recruit too. Don't be coming in and thinking, you know, you're going to X and O all day and you're not going to get on the streets 
and get out there and get some players that you can X and O with. And the same thing with the defensive line. Uh, you've got to be able to have great coaches who know exact, exactly the techniques and, and the things you got to do, but you got to have them that uh, are able to uh, also recruit. Recruit the type of people that can execute the moves and techniques you want them to do. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just saying you find the best wherever they are. You recruit them like you recruit players. Uh, you got to go out and find out who these people are. And you got to get them. You just don't put a name there and say, oh, I'm going to get him, or I like this guy's a buddy of this guy, and he's a friend of mine, and uh, he's near retirement. I'll take care of him for two years. What are you talking about? You got to get people who have a career and they're the best at what they do. Just like I, I'm not going to use that term again. The guy that can execute and do surgery on people the best. So I'm just going to go rapid fire now. He basically wants, he said, special teams, get rid of John Baxter. Defense, uh, he says, get rid of Ronnie Bradford. But uh, Kenichi Udesi, the D line coach, stays. And then he thinks that uh, USC should retain Clancy Pendergast. Well, then he shouldn't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) He wants your thoughts, though, your expertise. Because he's already got his... his Harry's got a plan. Yeah, he's got a plan. He should be doing this. No, I just... Hey, he at least has a plan. We're not sure, like, if people that matter have a plan, but Harry has a plan, so that's good. I'm proud of him. Yeah. No, I am. I'm proud of him, and, uh, you know... uh, I would agree with some of the things he said, and I would disagree with some of the things he said. So, hey, I think it's, that's the best way to say it on uh, some of the ways that you want to go. I might not agree with all of them, but at least you have a plan. How's that? I got a voicemail for you, Coach. The last one from me. Here you go. Ryan, Trojan alum, class of 2017, just got the news that Helton will get another year. Obviously, I'm very upset. I think this is ridiculous, and I'm sure you're getting all lots of voicemails saying the same thing. But like, I just want to know, like, what is the rationale behind keeping him? Is it like stability? Like, I don't understand what's going to change next year. Like, what'll be different? So, I mean, I was wondering if you, I mean, maybe you could give some insight on like the other perspective and just like help me understand what's going on. Like, is it that we just don't have a president? Like, what? Like, it's. I don't know. This is such a joke, and I'm very frustrated. Uh, but big fan of the pod. Keep up the good work. Bye. You know, sometimes I wish that these were live calls. I really do. Uh, because I think it's important to talk face-to-face with some people. I wish that was a live interview I could go back and forth with this guy on and, and talk about it. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a reason for everything. Okay, and uh, I'm not saying it's financial because they would have to give him, I've heard, somewhere between 10 and 15 million dollars. And maybe they are not up to doing that right now. I know that uh, at times they're very stringent on things in their budget, athletic budget. And don't ask me why and how, but they are. I know that. So maybe it's just too much money as far as a buyout. I don't know. But you ask me maybe what, what the reasons are. I don't know what the reason is, but obviously they made this decision. So the thing you've got to do is make the best of the decision. And that's what you do as a loyal fan. You make the best of the decision and you find a way as an athletic director and a head football coach to prove that they were right at the decision they made. And you got to sometimes do things that aren't really easy to do, like get rid of friends that are coaching with you or people that you know, their families and their children and all of this stuff. It's difficult. It really is. That's why some head coaches never socialize with their staffs. Never. Because they don't want that close relationship because there might be a day when you have to get rid of this guy and you don't want to know what school they went to or how many children they have or all this and that. But there's difficult decisions that Coach Helton has to make. And he's got to make them quickly. I mean, like today, to let people know. Because if you don't tell your assistant coaches 
what's going on. They're going to start to look for a job, and then they're not going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is recruiting. They're more concerned about themselves and their families, and I don't blame them because no one's told them if they're going to be around or not. When they should make be making recruiting calls, they're making calls to their friends and coaches elsewhere, asking them, what have you heard? What have you heard? Or do you have a job on your staff? Or who's getting let go? Or who's looking for this or that? So I'm telling you, you better find out today, today exactly what's going on with your assistant coaches. And you better let them know so that if they aren't going to be around, you're not going to a bowl game. So you don't have to prepare for your, your bowl practices. What you got to do is start your recruiting. And that means you never stop recruiting. So you better find out what's going on and uh, keep it going immediately. And that's what I say. He's got to make some decisions. But that's what you get paid for. And if you've got to prove to people that Lynn Swan made the right decision and you're the person to make the decisions that are necessary to get this better. Well, we have one final email submission, and I saved it for last so we can end on a positive note. Okay. It's from George and Oxnard, who says, I was going to ask you what went wrong during this 5-7 and seven season, but that would take all day. Coach, please give me some positives that we can build on for next season. Is there anything that you like that we can get excited about? Thanks for another season of your spot-on analysis, Coach. You tell it like it is. You rock. Fight on. Well, uh, I think that the thing that you look at always, and I talk to coaches all over the country, and you know what they tell me? They're USC. They're USC, and that that is still out there, folks, which means there's players out there that USC can come in on and get those players no matter when because they're USC. So you still have the the image of USC with you, and I think that's really positive. So I think if you utilize that properly with the type of staff that you need to put together – completely look at the entire picture as Clay Helton should do. You, you, you've got the USC coaching job and then you utilize that name USC and you put together the best coaching staff, and the best teams in the country you can do and you can win. Maybe it's been proved. In fact, he's won except for this year. So you can put it together and you can get the greatest athletes in America and, and get the right players on the field, please. Brian, you've heard me talk about this on podcasts before on on players. Maybe I maybe off the air I've done it with you or in practice I've done it with you or wherever. But there's great talent there that sometimes never gets the field. And you gotta be able to get those players on the field and allow them to demonstrate their skills and play and get better and better every day so that people can see that your teams are getting better, but your players are getting better too. And you got to get rid of the negative type of articles that say you don't have any NFL players uh, in your program that are going the first round or the second round. You've got to be able to develop players that go in the first round or the second round. So young people want to go to USC and young people want to go in the first round and the second round. And young players want to be a part of the Pac-12 championship and, and play in the Rose Bowl and play in the, the Final Four and all of the above, but you got to start with a name and the name is USC. And I think if you think of that and the way you apply that to your coaching staff, to the players you're going to recruit, to the current players you have, and you put the right chemistry together, that's what you have. that a lot of schools don't have. All right, coach. Well, we, uh, we got through it. Lots of big news, lots of, uh, it's hard to believe that the season is over, though. Like, just leaving the Coliseum last night, it was strange. Um, just walking away from it all. Just like, oh, no more season, no bold, no nothing. Um, very strange. But thanks for uh, being with us all season, Coach. And, uh, of course, thanks to everybody that's been listening and sending all the questions and stuff. But thank you, Coach. It's been it's been great talking to you. Well, thank you. And I'm not going anywhere, okay? Oh, so I thought you were leaving. We're going we're gonna to do this next week, too. Oh. We'll always have something. You think oh, you're trying to get rid of me too? Is that what you're trying to do? I'm just like, I'm, I huh? fire everybody. We're firing everyone. <laughs> fire the whole Keely, staff. Keely, you and I'll leave. 
<laughs> we can start our own podcast, Coach. Okay. But the point of it is I want to thank you, too, and all of us. You know, we got a lot of things to still talk about. We've got recruiting. We've got the staff to see what's going to go on. We've got a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I enjoy doing this uh, as far as for all the people that really care. And uh, I want to thank them, too, for listening and appreciate their kind comments. Okay? Well, yes. Well, thank you, Coach. Thank you, Keely. Thanks to everyone out there for all the comments, the kind comments, the Maybe some upset comments. Some, you know, there's disgruntled fans. That's okay. We want to. We like. We like everyone's opinion. So keep sending in the questions. We'll keep going uh, on the podcast, like we said. We'll have. Uh, if you get this, I guess if you listeners right away, we'll have Tunnel Vision Sunday night at 7 p.m. But you can watch the replay too, and we'll put up our emergency Tunnel Vision as a uh, podcast as well. So lots of cool stuff uh, coming up on the site. Keely, thanks for being in the studio, helping out. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. We're all, hey, uh, Keely. Yes. It's great having you in the huddle with us, okay? Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to have you around Ryan and I, okay? For sure. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up. That's Keely. Coach Hyde, I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.